0: Um, So, it's great to be here this morning. I'm Beth Graham. I'm the lead pastor here. We're starting a new series today called How to Bless, but I want to start, first of all, by telling you a story, and it's about Paul and I, when we were in college together, we were part of a Christian fellowship. Now, we were not dating at the time. We were just friends, and um, we were part of this Christian fellowship that was really, you know, on fire for Jesus, and we were going to do radical things for God, and we were all about it, Um, and so we... We're at a meeting one day, and the leader announced to us that what we were going to do that day, instead of having a meeting, is we were going to go door to door to the dorms and knock on people's doors and ask people if they want to talk about Jesus. Now, I have, you know, Nothing against door-to-door, I, I know, I'm sure that works in some situations, but I was appalled, okay? This was not my sort of thing, to just go randomly up to someone's door and just ask them if they want to talk about Jesus. I knew that I would hate it if somebody knocked on my door and wanted to talk to me about Jesus, and I loved Jesus, but I just didn't like to talk to strangers, so this was way out of my comfort zone, you get what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, but if you um, know me well enough by this time, you know also that I wasn't going to be a wimp, and not be the one to do it, right? So I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. This is what they're telling us to do. But I also knew one other thing, and that was if I was gonna do it with anyone, it was gonna have to be with Paul Graham. Because I, he was the only person I could trust to not be weird about it, you know, I don't know. And so I said, I, so the guy was still talking, our, our leader was still talking to us about it, and I'm, I'm like sidling up to Paul, to get close to him, so the minute he was done talking, I was like, can we do it together, can we be partners, and he said, sure, so, you know, there we went, the two of us went, we went around, we knocked on some doors, asked people as politely as we could, you want to talk about spiritual things, Jesus, I think we had a couple conversations, I don't remember anything particularly profound happening as a result of all that, but I do remember thinking, is this how I'm supposed to share my faith, is this how it works, we have this command that Jesus gave us that in some ways is a little bit problematic. Okay, we call it the Great Commission, and it's in Matthew 28, and I want to read it to you from verses 18 to 20. It says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're told to go and make disciples. And if we are honest, I think many of us have kind of mixed feelings about evangelism. Am I right? We have some mixed feelings about it. We know we're supposed to do it. And we love it when people come to know Jesus. I mean, it's the greatest thing, right? We know that they've gone from death to life. It's it's something beautiful. But we also don't want to be that Christian. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) That obnoxious person who people like walk the other way because they know you're always going to turn the conversation to Jesus somehow. And they're kind of awkward and pushy about their faith. You just don't want to be that person. And listen, we right now live in a a culture in which, and you know, we are wise to look at the culture we're in, okay? That Paul, Apostle Paul did it, Jesus did it. Look at the culture. We are in a culture right now that highly values tolerance and understanding and respect for all beliefs, right? That is a, a, a high value. And you know what? I'm actually glad that's a high value because that means you and I can, can meet here and do what we like. We can worship Jesus, right? If, if That's because of the tolerance of our society, that we have a society that doesn't matter who's in the president, who's a president. It could be Christian, Muslim, Jewish, atheist, whoever. It doesn't matter. We can still have the freedom to meet as Christians. So I, I don't, I, I'm glad that we live in a society like that, but it makes it tricky, doesn't it? It makes it tricky. Because we don't want to seem intolerant or... Um, pushy or strident, and so for some of us, evangelism gets problematic, and we kind of ask ourselves the question, do I have to do it? Maybe people will just figure it out on their own. You know, there's churches all over the place. They could figure out Jesus. Why do I need to say anything? And so I'm giving you this kind of extended introduction to the series. Because I do think this question about evangelism, what does it look like? What are we supposed to be doing, meant to be doing as Christian people in the world? How are we supposed to present our faith, be about our faith, be, be people who make disciples? How are we meant to do that? Kind of underlies everything we're gonna be talking about in blessing our neighbor. And so I wanna just give you just a couple of things about biblical evangelism, what, what that really looks like. And I wanna first of all say that there's a difference between proselytizing and evangelizing. I think it's really important we know this. There's a difference between proselytizing and evangelizing. Proselytizing is I've got to get this person saved. That's my only goal. I don't care anything about you. I just want to make sure you're saved. And so the relationship is all about that. It means that the ends justify the means. It doesn't matter how obnoxious I'm going to be or how pushy or anything. I'm just going to get get you saved. That's proselytizing. And I got to tell you that I do not think that's what the great commission's about. That's not what we're meant to do. That's not what we're meant to do. The, the ends don't justify the means. I love the way Pope Francis, our Catholic brother uh, in 2015, put this. He, he kind of put a contrast between evangelization and proselytization. And this is what he said. Proselytization excludes others and simply talks at them. Evangelization goes out to others and listens to them. Proselytization, that's a very hard word to say. Proselytization is proud proud and convince it has all the answers. Evangelization is a proclamation of Jesus, allowing people to have an encounter with Jesus. We don't have to have all the answers, people. We can just point people to Jesus. And proselytization believes it's up to us, to the force of our arguments and persuasive power. Evangelization trusts in the Holy Spirit as the true evangelist, as the one who makes converts. Amen? So nothing about the... Great commission is telling us to harass people, to browbeat them, to becoming Christians. No, the ends don't justify the means, but what does the scripture say that we are to do? What, what's the positive thing? We're meant to be a witness. It says this all over scripture, to witness of what has happened to you. Let me give you a couple of scriptures about that. Acts 1.8 says, but you, meaning you Christians, you who are believers, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. By the way, this is Pentecost Sunday. Anybody know that? So we're we're remembering. I said to the band, I said, every day is Pentecost Sunday in the Holy Spirit, and you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and, and to the ends of the earth. It's the same thing. Go make disciples. Be my witnesses. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to be witnesses. Acts 4, 18 to 20, says this. They called them again and again and commanded them. They're talking to the disciples here who are talking about Jesus all the time. And the officials are saying, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him, you be the judge. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. A witness simply tells what they've seen and heard. What have you seen and heard? And an evangel means good news. So evangelism is simply giving witness to the good news, what you've experienced, not what someone else has experienced, not what in theory you should experience. No, you're meant to give witness to what you experienced. And you know what your witness is all the time. Every time you say, Have you been to that restaurant down the down the street, man? They have great, you know, pulled pork, you know, they have amazing ribs, like you gotta go there. You're being a witness every time you say this netflix show is awesome i you know i i've watched it all night long you know you've got to get on this netflix show you're being a witness to something good you've experienced church if we can witness to a good restaurant and pulled pork and a good netflix show can we give witness to what jesus has done in our life can we give witness to that that's all a witness is simply being sensitive and loving, and being a witness. It's not offensive or weird to do that, to just tell about what Jesus has done. And the last thing we hear in the scripture about how to do this is with gentleness and respect. And in 1 Peter 3, it says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Can I just say it is never okay to be the pushy Christian? pounding people over the heads with a Bible or slamming them on social media with the good news. It's not good news when you get it that way. It's not good news. And I just wanna say this morning to anybody who's listening, whether online or here, and you're not a believer, and you've been pushed and, and, and bullied and you know, co- tried, people tried to coerce you to come to Jesus, can I just say, I am so sorry? I'm so sorry because that is not what we're meant to do. Christians kind of, we, we mean well, all right? <laughs> we mean well, but we can get ahead of ourselves and think it's our job to give the Holy Spirit, and it's not. It's our job to give witness. It's our job to give witness. So when we come to others with an attitude of respect and of, of friendship, It's interesting, then people are very willing to hear what we are a witness of. There's a study recently that said that showed that 79% of unchurched people, so these are unbelievers, unchurched people, agreed with this statement. I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they really value it. I don't mind talking to a friend about their faith if they value it. We can be a witness all we want if we are friends, if we are loving, if we are caring about the person and not just about getting our own point across. Amen. So this is all an introduction to this series that we're starting. It's called Bless. We're going to be talking about how to bless our neighbors, how to be a loving and respectful witness, but also just to love them and to care for them and to bless our neighbors. And I've been reading this book. It's called Bless, Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. There's a few copies out there if you'd like to pick up a copy of it. Um, And they use a cute little acronym, BLESS, B-L-E-S-S, which, um, you know, Pastors love that. It, that really helps, you know, a sermon series. We got, we got it now five weeks there. But, I, but it's actually helpful, okay? Because we're going to take one week with each letter and talk about what it means to bless, what it means to bless and love your neighbor, how we can be loving toward our neighbor. Here's the five, <coughs> here's the, what the five letters uh, mean here. B is to be in prayer. This is where we start, that we see where God's at work and we begin to pray. We begin to pray what God is doing uh, in our neighbors' lives, in our friends' lives, whether it's people at work, um, people at home. The second is L for listen, to be a friend, be a good listener, be there for your neighbors and friends. We're meant to be listeners, not always talking about our ideas, but listening. This one is very consistent with the theme of this morning with the announcements eat, uh, learn. We're always about eating in church. I don't know why, but anyway. But eat. eating is the best way to get to know people. Going for coffee, get, having lunch, having people over. Spend time together. That's how we, we bless others and we get to know people. Sec- S is to serve. Take the time to help your neighbor. Do you even know enough about your neighbor to know how much to serve them? How, what they might need? How you might be able to bless them by simply serving them? And then lastly, Last but not least, but still last, is sharing your story. There will be moments where you can share your story about what Jesus has done for you. You can be a witness. That's awesome. We need to be ready to do that. So see, when we're other-centered rather than self-centered, when we are listeners rather than talkers, when we focus on loving our neighbor rather than on converting them, then we are going to be a blessing, and that in itself might make people more open to becoming disciples of Jesus. Very, very interesting study that's cited in this book. It was an experiment conducted by a man named Mark Russell. This was his doctoral dissertation at Asbury Seminary. So it was a controlled study that he did. And it was two teams of missionaries who were sent out to Thailand. But they sent them out with similar goals but carried out two very, very different strategies. They called them the blessers and the converters. This is fascinating. The converter group went with the sole intention of converting people. I think we have a slide for this. Yeah, converters and blessers. The converters went solely with the intention of converting people. Their whole goal was to save souls, whereas the blessers put their intention this way. We are here to bless whoever God sends our way. The study then followed them for two years, both of these groups of missionaries with these stated intentions, and the results are fascinating. The first was the presence of the blessers in the community resulted in a huge amount of social good. They did good in the community. They helped the poor. They, they helped um, community form. They helped people um, know one another. The betterment of society, all of that came from the blessers. The converters, none of that happened. There was no social good that happened because that wasn't their focus, right? They weren't working on it. But the second discovery, and this was very surprising, was that the blessers saw 48 conversions to Christianity, whereas the, whereas the converters only saw one. Interesting, right? 50, almost 50 times as many conversions by being a blessing rather than just trying to be a converter. So there's an interesting, interesting, you know, um, conclusion from this is that often if we focus on simply blessing, God moves. God moves in ways that we don't understand and that he starts to move people closer to himself. And, oh, that's, that's a joy. That's a joy if we can be part of that by being a blessing. So I hope that this gives you a little bit of excitement about thinking about, I don't have to be an evangelist. Some of you are, and if you are, I encourage you to talk about Jesus all you can. But we don't have to be an evangelist, but we can bless people, can't we? We can bless people, we can love them, we can befriend them, we can be who Jesus wants us to be out in the world, out in our neighborhoods, out in our workplaces. And we're gonna see the kingdom of God advance and grow when we do that. We are, amen. So let's talk a little bit. We're going to get into the scripture a little bit more here about kind of a foundational passage for this series. Why are we loving our neighbor? Well, I know you all know, if you've been in church at least a little bit of the time, that Jesus calls this one of the top commandments, right? There are two top commandments, he said. In Mark 12, he said, um, the teacher asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no, greater, there's no commandment greater than these. So it's kind of fascinating that Jesus takes these two commandments, which are commandments from the Old Testament, both loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and also loving your neighbor as yourself, are both Old Testament commandments, but embedded in the hundreds of commands that are in the Old Testament. And Jesus says, these are the two. Okay, these are the two I want you to focus on. You, you can't be a Christian without loving God with all your heart, but you also can't be a Christian if you're not gonna love your neighbor as yourself. That it is part and parcel of the same thing. Here's what's even more fascinating. The Apostle Paul takes it a step further in Galatians and he limits it, he compresses it down to one. Listen to what he says. It's a little bit surprising. <clears throat> Galatians 5, 13 to 14, he says, you my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. So why does Paul say that? He says the entire law is fulfilled. Jesus at least said two, right? Love God, love love your neighbor. And Paul instead is saying, no, the, the entire law is fulfilled in this one. What is he talking about here? Why is he saying that? And what he's doing is basically saying all of what we're talking about compresses down to this moral command to love one another because you can't do that unless you love God first. So it's all kind of subsumed into this one command that if you are loving God, you're gonna be loving your neighbor. So this is, this is the focus. He's saying what, this is what springs from our love for God. And so you know, it, for him it, to say love your neighbor implies, of course, you're gonna be loving God. It's pretty hard to love your neighbor. <laughs> well, if you don't love God too. But if we love God, we're going to be loving our neighbor. John gets this even better. He puts it in 1 John 4. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So our love for others is going to spring out of that love for God. Loving your neighbor is a non-negotiable. It's what you were set free for. Interesting about this Galatian. He said, "This is you were set free by the blood of Christ. Why? Not to indulge your flesh. Not to, not to, not to just take care of yourself, but to serve one another in love. You see that? It says, don't use you do your freedom to indulge the flesh, but serve one another in love. That's why you were set free. See, freedom isn't just, I can do whatever I want to do and make myself happy and satisfied. We, that's worldly freedom. That's what we think freedom is. But, but godly freedom sets us free free from our self-absorption and expands and empowers our human, God-given capacity to love. Can I say that again? Because I want to make sure you catch that. Godly freedom sets us free from our self-absorption and expands and empowers our human and God-given capacity to love, to love. You want to see a person who's free? They're a person who's marked by love for others, love for their neighbor. That's a free person who can just love freely, who doesn't think about it too much, who doesn't think, oh, well, they didn't give something back to me, or they didn't do this, or I don't know if they deserve it. They don't worry about all that. They just love their neighbor. That's a person who's free. They're free in Jesus. They know Jesus. They love him. And the freer you are, and the more healthy and resilient your soul is. We just spent six weeks, right, talking about a healthy and resilient soul. If you haven't listened to those messages I encourage you to go back and listen to them because they're all about how we can be healthy in our souls with God and therefore we can go out and serve others so yes we want to have a healthy soul and the more healthy your soul is the better you're going to be able to love people it's just a fact of the matter you'll be able to open your heart up to them and God will work through you So it's not enough to just say, I love God, I go to church, I have a relationship with Jesus. No, he's saying, you need to love your neighbor. So how do we do that? A couple of questions that come up from this passage about loving your neighbor as yourself. The first one is, well, hang on, don't we have to love ourselves first? It says, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So we're supposed to love ourselves first. And again, as I said in in the Resilient Soul series, yes, if you are loving consistently out of an unhealthy place, it can bring some unhealthy service, right? We burn out, we serve out of bad motives, we serve because we're trying to get praise or acclaim out of it rather than just out of love for people. So yes, we need to take care of our own souls, all right? So that we can love others from a good place, from a healthy place, from a, from a good motive. But the same thing is true that you can't just wait 20 years until you get your act all together and then I'll, then I'll start loving my neighbor. Some of us, it's gonna take more than 20 years to get our act together, It's going to be a long time. Your neighbor's going to be waiting around for a long time. Now, one commentator put it this way, and I thought this was helpful. The primary meaning of Jesus and Paul's command is not that we must properly love ourselves before we can love others, although this is true in itself. We do need to learn to love ourselves, but that we are to love our neighbor with the same spontaneity and alacrity with which we love ourselves. I thought that was interesting. Right now, you do take care of yourself. When you're hungry, you go eat. Eat. I know, I eat when I'm hungry. <laughs> we all take care of ourselves. When, when it's raining outside, we go indoors. We provide shelter for ourselves. When we need clothes, we go get them. When we want an ice cream cone, we get ourselves an ice cream cone. <laughs> we take care of ourselves. How can we do the same thing for others? Can we love them and, and take care and, and feed and, and love and bring ice cream to someone that needs ice cream? And can we love and serve that way? Let's be generous, let's notice one another's needs. Let's be thinking of others. It's kind of a funny example of this from uh, from last week. I'm sorry, Chris is not here. He'd he'd appreciate this. Um, we were uh, I, I was leaving the office and Chris was just coming in with a big. Uh, car full of groceries for the grocery ministry of frozen meat and he was carrying them in His the back of his hatch was up and he had all those bags of meat and I was just leaving I had my backpack I was ready to go but when we just kind of bumped into each other at the door and we chatted for a couple minutes and then I made my way over to my my door my my car to put my stuff away and it was like in slow motion (laughs) something just finally chunked into into place in my brain like you know like the computer finally going and I went oh, I should help him carry in the groceries. <laughs> hadn't occurred to me. I know many of you, that would have been the first thing that would have occurred to you, but me, no, I was absorbed in, I'm going home, I got my stuff, I'm, yeah, Paul's home, the, I, dinner's waiting, you know. So I was all focused on that, and suddenly I was like, oh no, I, I really should help him <laughs> carry in the groceries. So I went in, and I you know, grabbed a few things of groceries, I went in to, to, to Chris, I said, hey, I thought I should help you bring in a few groceries. He goes, oh, that's very pastoral of you. <laughs> And I said, don't be too impressed. I said, it took me a while to even think of, to do it. (laughs) Not such a, not so pastoral. Sometimes we just don't think of it, right? And so um, let's think about how we can care for others, care for our neighbor as we care for ourselves. And the second thing that might come to mind from this verse about loving our neighbor as ourselves is that question, well, who's my neighbor? Frankly, we're hoping that it's not that cranky guy who's always yelling at our kids for running across their lawn. We hope that's not our neighbor. (laughs) There must be a loophole for people like that. Cranky neighbors, there must be. We hope our neighbor is not that mean person at work who is constantly undermining us and making our, our life difficult. We hope that's not our neighbor. We hope it's not that person who keeps borrowing stuff from us over and over again and they never return it. We hope that's not our neighbor. Guess what, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) sorry, sorry. Your neighbor is anyone at all who crosses your path, anyone. This is not easy, this is why we need to love God and know him and be filled with his spirit in order to love well, because it's not easy To love your neighbor is anyone who crosses your path. We see this from the Good Samaritan. We won't get into that story, but it's a wonderful story about being a neighbor where that man is laid out on the road. He's been beaten up and and left there, and three people pass by, and only one stops, right? The Samaritan man. A different race, a different ethnicity, a stranger, and he stops and helps the man and gives him money and takes care of him. And Jesus says, that's the neighbor. (laughs) He's the one being a neighbor. Jesus' words. So your neighbor could be someone who's very difficult for you to imagine helping, could be a complete stranger, could be someone of a different class or ethnicity or race, could be someone that you work with or who lives on your block, it could be anyone. In fact, Jesus takes it even further. He says it even could be your enemy. In Matthew 5, he says, you have heard it said, Lord, love your neighbor. We're talking about the same verse here. You've heard it say, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So Jesus even bundles your enemies into this whole neighbor deal, okay? So it's anyone, it's anyone. We're called to bless and love all. Bless and love all. So just to bring this now to um, the BLESS, the BLESS book, the BLESS acronym here, we're gonna just focus for a couple minutes here on B, and then we're gonna do some praying. B is uh, about being in prayer. We need to be in prayer for our neighbors, we need to be in prayer about all of this, right? Because this is not easy. If I convinced you so far it's not going to be easy necessarily? We have to overcome a lot of our selfishness, a lot of our self-absorption, a lot of our lack of time. Right? I don't have time. But we need to pray. We need to pray for our own hearts, first of all, that we would long to be the kind of people who love our neighbors well. That we would love to be that kind of person, that we wouldn't be so busy with our own lives, that we would not be the person who, you know, Goes in, out of our, into our garage, gets in the car, drives off to work, and then comes back, gets back into the garage, lets the garage door close, and goes back into the house, and never once wanders the neighborhood to say hello to who lives on our block. How easy is that to do, people, if you live in a suburb? It's even easy to do if you live in an apartment or anything else. You just walk down your hall and you go to your, you go to your apartment. And so we need to pray for our own hearts to be, start to be willing to be a neighbor, to be inconvenience sometimes, to do things out of our way, to take a little extra time. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. And so that's the first thing and we need to pray for the love of God to be so full in us, it would be bubbling up out of us, we couldn't wait to meet our neighbors, to talk to them, to find out about their lives, to talk to our coworkers, to talk to the grocery lady, whoever we come across. And then the second thing we wanna pray about is to pray for our neighbors. Let's start praying for them. And here's a question. Do you even know any names to pray for? (laughs) How many of you can name all your neighbors? There was a a chart in one of the books about, you know, can you name everyone that lives around you? It's tough. That's a convicting question often. It's it's kind of embarrassing how long you can live in a neighborhood and maybe not get to know the names of your neighbors. And after a while it's embarrassing, right? Because you've been there a long time and you don't want to say, uh, I don't I don't remember your name. But this is the first thing. Can we this week, church? Make a point of finding to know some, getting to know some neighbors, getting to know at least some names, and if it's embarrassing, it's embarrassing. You say, "I know I've been living here five years, still forgotten your name, and maybe you've forgotten mine." So, hi, my name is, and let's just do it. Let's just get over our embarrassment. Let's invite ourselves to to get to know some people, and so we can start praying for them. See, you can't pray for people if you don't even know who they are, what they're going through, right? So, we're gonna I'm gonna encourage you to do that. There's an interesting. uh, URL, interesting website called bless, what's it called, blesseveryhome.com. This is kind of fascinating. It's a little weird, but it's fascinating. They, You put in your address, and it tells you the names of all the people that live around you, because it's just using public GPS data. So you just know a name. That's all you know is a name, but at least you can kind of like say, oh, this is who's living around me, and it'll actually send you reminders to pray for those people. So it's kind of cool. Um, and you can remember, especially if you, you should have known the name of that person you first you can look it up on Bless Every Home, and it might be there. But it's a great way, to, again, to know who's around you, who are your neighbors, and let's begin to pray. Can we begin to pray for their families, pray for God's blessing over their homes, pray for their jobs, pray for, you know, whatever's going on in their life, pray for them. And then the last thing I want us to pray for is divine encounters, that we would pray that God would have us meet up with people that we didn't expect, that we'd have moments we didn't expect, that we would actually go out and get our, get our mail and our neighbor would be out there. and <laughs> We'd actually talk to them uh, as opposed to just wave and walk away. That we would have divine encounters where God would let us just get to know some people around us. That there'd be someone at work that we would be able to meet up with. Uh, in the book, it's the authors mention a friend of theirs who over the years began to pray every morning that he would meet and talk to people God wants him to bless. And I thought that was cool. How about we start every morning and say, Lord, help me meet and talk to people you want me to bless today. Lord, help me meet and talk to people you want me to bless today, just to bless. You don't have to have a three-point evangelistic sermon ready. You don't have to have your whole life together. Just bless them. Just ask God to show you who you can bless, who you can encourage, who you can love. Amen? Amen? All of this is a command to us as believers, followers of Jesus, all right? I hope if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that you're kind of encouraged that um, we're saying, we just we, we don't, we're not, you're not going to be beat over the head with Christianity. I'm not going to lie. I, I do believe if someone finds Jesus, it's the best thing they can ever do. I, I do believe that. That's why I'm here. Maybe you should expect that of the pastor, right? I believe that Jesus is, is the way. He, is, he has transformed my life. It's the witness of my life. And so I pray that for every person I come across. But I also want to say to anyone who doesn't know Jesus that if you never come to know Jesus in your whole life, I still want to love you and bless you. I want to be a blessing in your life, okay? It's not about whether you come to Jesus or not. It's about whether I'm able to be a blessing to you and show you the love of Jesus. And then it's between you and Jesus what you do with that. Amen, so I want want to say that to myself, but I also want to say that to us as church people. Your family and neighbors and people in your life are not projects, they're not battles to be won. They are precious and made in the image of God. Precious to God, loved by Him, made uniquely and beautifully and wonderfully made by Him and we get the privilege to live near them and work with them and serve near them and mow our lawns next to them, and we get that privilege, church. We get that privilege to be those people. We're blessed to be a blessing, so let's make sure we are a blessing in our neighbor's lives, amen? So I want us to take a moment right now, and um, I want us to make this just a little practical. We're gonna pray. This week I want us to pray, be praying. Our neighbors and so i want you to take a moment and just ask the lord to bring three people to mind maybe it's a family maybe it's three different neighbors maybe it's a person in your neighborhood and a person at work maybe it's the person you meet at the gym but i want to ask you to just take a moment and bring ask the lord to bring three people to mind and you can take out your phone and you know text yourself the names i text myself things all the time to remember things (laughs) you can use your notes app whatever you use if you're old school, you can write it down. But I want us to specifically be thinking of three people before we leave here today. So I'd like us to just take a moment of quiet. I'm going to ask the band to start coming up um, and be ready to, to play. But I want us to just take a moment and think about three people. Ask, Lord God, would you show us who you are calling us to love on, to, to bless, to pray for this week. And I want, you to, I want you to make note of those people so you don't forget them. I'm just going to give you a minute. want us to pray that God provides some divine encounters with these folks, that you're able to talk with them this week. Remember their name. <laughs> want us to pray that we get a moment to chat with them, that we get a moment to just pray for them. And let's just start praying that God would make himself real in every way. So we're just going to take a moment now and let's, let's pray. Let's Lift up these names. Name them out in your heart to God. And Lord, we pray for these people that we're thinking about right now. Lord, we pray for their their lives, Lord, that their lives, that you would bring a blessing upon their lives. That you would show your love for them. you would bless their families Lord, whether they have kids or married whether they're living at home with parents whether they just live alone but have people around them that they love Lord I pray for their loved ones that you would just bless them I pray for them in their occupations Lord whatever it is that they do that they would find success there that they they would sense the blessing of God on their occupation because they've been made a certain way Lord use them Pray for the worries and the fears of these neighbors and friends of ours, Lord. We just pray for what is weighing them down, that you'd lighten that load. Use us, Lord, if we can be an encouragement, Lord, bring us alongside them. And so we pray for divine encounters. We pray for moments when we will bump into them and be able to chat and just get to know them. Lord, I pray that friendships would develop and emerge. Make us bold, Lord. If we've always been seeing that person and thought, oh, it'd be nice to get to know them, make us bold this week to just go say hi. And mostly, Lord, show us how we can be a blessing. Bless that person, Lord, with, with love and friendship. And, and I pray they would see Jesus. I pray they would see Jesus. we're gonna go into a time, a song which is about praying you're welcome to continue to pray for your your friend and neighbor you're also welcome to come up and be prayed for or maybe bring that person to prayer we have prayer teams that'll be here at the two tables at either side you're welcome to come up during that time but we're gonna go ahead and, and enter just worship now